I have always been fascinated by how our experiences and values shape the way we act and think. It has been in my experience that stories of resilience and passion often inspire others and spur action. In this VUCA world, it is important we figure out what it is we stand for and ultimately ask ourselves, how can we make a difference? In this episode, I speak with Raimi Tang, CEO and co-founder of Date Ideas. He spoke about why going on good and impactful dates not only solidifies your own relationship, but alleviates deeper socially entrenched problems like juvenile delinquency and broken families. He explains how technology can be used and should be used to remedy such problems and how it can start from people like you and I. What is up, guys? You're tuned in to Radio Pals, the sound of NUS. We have Mr. Raimi Tang with us today. How are you, Mr. Tang? Hey, Nazarene. It's great to be here. I'm going to call you Raimi, okay? Is that okay? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, Perfect. great. How have you been? How is COVID treating you? Oh, it's a great experience, to be honest. I think I like the difference in uh, life, you know, in general. So I, I feel there's always the positives that you can get out of it. Of course, a lot of bad things that come, but it's okay, I guess. <laughs> I think it's very important to see the silver lining right. in whatever tumultuous time. So you are the CEO of Dead Ideas. Yeah. Okay, so if listeners, you think that name is familiar, you are probably in the Telegram channel. You have about 50,000 subscribers, yeah? yeah? Is that correct? Yeah. And you started this about four years ago, is that correct? Yeah, correct. When years. you were a student here yeah. in NUS. Yeah. So I was reading out your profile. You are double degree Oh, yeah. You graduated three months ago. Yeah, not right? too long ago. And you were also uh, in Yusuf Hall. Oh, right. Right, with all the communities. Yeah, um, yeah. Commitments. Now, that sounds like a lot of things to handle for a student. Right. And you also decided to start Date Ideas. Right. So tell me, how were you able to manage all that workload and all the expectations? And I mean, you and I, we both have 24 hours in a day. Why is it that you can do so much more and I cannot? Because I sleep a lot less, mm-hmm. probably. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I, I guess my question is, why Why do you sleep so little? Right. Like, what is it about date ideas that gets you so motivated, you know? Because I love my sleep and I will not sacrifice my sleep for anything. Right. So, what about date ideas? Yeah, I think maybe it all starts from my sort of like first touch point of entrepreneurship. Uh, mm. Okay, just fun fact. Uh, after I graduated from JC, I always always wanted to be a chemical engineer. Mm. So I never thought about becoming an entrepreneur. But I was very thankful. Th- thanks to NS, uh, managed to chance upon this program. Uh, and it really educated me about entrepreneurship. Because back then, I always thought uh, businesses was always about building uh, or buying something at a low price and then selling it at a higher price. And mm. then you get a, get a profit. So that never excited me. Mm. But it was during that program when I met entrepreneurs. And I realized that there's a difference between entrepreneurship and business. Where Entrepreneurship is about the value you add to mm. the people who use your product or service. And that's far more important than any profits. Right? Yes. And, the, and the entrepreneurs which came for that event, uh, I think that was in, back in 2014. I can't even remember the name of the program. Uh, but they were all super passionate and they didn't wear suit and, suits mm. and ties, yeah. which I initially thought that's what every businessman would wear. right? And they wore very casual clothing and, and they talked with a lot of humility, mm. a lot of um, down-to-earth sort of like... Um, 
personalities which I really appreciated back then. And at the end of the program, we we just pitched an idea which we won uh, just a box of chocolates. Mm. Uh, so it was very small, but that really started me and my brother, both mm. of us joined the program. Like we started working on an idea because of that. Mm. It's different from date ideas, but uh, if, even after that, they invited us to do a proper pitch to a panel uh, where one startup, one potential project or startup will be awarded $8,000 as initial grant money to try to make that project a reality. And uh, we did win that. And eventually, uh, I initially thought it was just, okay, on a reimbursement basis, right? I'll buy, I have to spend on it and then claim it back later on. But funny enough, they just asked for a bank account mm. and then they just deposited the $8,000 uh. straight away on the day itself. And I really understood this world entrepreneurship where it's a lot built a lot about trust mm. a lot about uh, ownership of your own project and the effect or the value you want to add to society mm. so that's where it all started and sort of that set the foundation towards my sort of love for entrepreneurship because while working on that initial project so it was just a mobile app that helps low-income families save money on groceries mm. so how it worked is uh, low-income families would put in a bunch of items that they want to buy right for example bread, rice, milk and then the app would uh, search around their area where to go to buy the cheapest product. So you go to NTUC FairPrice, 200 meters away, you buy this uh, bread and egg and then you go to Giant, which is maybe 400 meters away and you buy uh, the rice, right? And then how much more you'll save and how much more time you'll spend mm. uh, going uh, in those multiple locations. So it's a very simple app. Um, but yeah, that really made me enjoy the whole process of seeing the users using our app, uh, mm. getting value out of it. And I knew that, hey, I, I no longer wanted to be a chemical engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so very thankful I was uh, taking a double degree program in chemical engineering and business. Mm. So I decided to just stick with it since I already applied. So yeah, just a very quick summary of... of yeah. The, yeah, the way I got into entrepreneurship. Very abridged version, but thank you for that. Um, I just want to go back to what you said about value adding to the community. I think the app that you mentioned about helping lower income families get cheaper resources, I mean, obviously it's value adding to their lives. Right. Can you tell me how Date Ideas is value adding to its own community? Yeah, I think this is something that most people might not see on the surface because uh, a lot of people understand that we started off really providing ideas for couples, right? And, mm. and I think that itself is solving a problem for a lot of people. But it seems like a very surface level problem. But I think uh, as a company, the mission that we are onto in the long run is far more meaningful and far more purposeful than what most people see on the surface. So in the long run, the real problem that we are solving is the high failure rate of long-term serious relationships. Mm. So today in the world, over 50% of serious relationships end up in failure. And if you look deeply into it, it's actually the root cause for many social problems today. Mm. Things like juvenile delinquency, single parent homes, broken families, depression. Yeah. Many of them stem from that high failure rate of relationships. And I think even if you look at older couples today, a lot of them say that, oh, after three or four years together, it's going to get boring. Mm. And, and like you're just going to live under the same roof, but emotionally you are more disconnected. And then us as young people, we always say, no, my relationship will be different. Right? Mm, I'll make yeah. a different. I'll make sure that we go towards the right track. right? Um, but of course, when life gets in the way, mm. uh, when uh, work comes into play, that's where you start deprioritizing your relationship. So for us as a company, we are, our, our mission is really to empower couples' relationships. Mm. Uh, right now, of course, dates, you might ask, what's the link between that and empowering relationships? But we see a very strong correlation between dates becoming more infrequent, more boring, more stagnant. And that happens alongside the relationship as a whole, becoming more boring, more stagnant. Mm. Uh, and, and even if it's just one partner in the relationship, uh, telling 
the other partner that, hey, we haven't been going out uh, too much recently and I saw something on date ideas which might be cool for us to check out. I think that's more than enough to at least extend the honeymoon period in the short term. Mm. Uh, but eventually, uh, this dates marketplace will just be a subset of the eventual mobile app features that we offer. Right? We'll, we'll launch things like helping couples manage their finances better together, mm. helping them manage uh, conflicts better, communicate better and things like that. But yeah. that's more of the longer term mission. So yeah, our vision is, yeah, so back to the value adding question, right? Mm. Uh, that's where we want to go towards and we believe by helping or showing couples a better way to empower their relationships for the long run, we can potentially eradicate a lot of society's problems. Mm. I like that. I like that. I really do like that. I think that usually when people think of dating and relationships, it's a very personal endeavor, right? They don't really think about the broader implication on society. And I like that people like you are stepping up to take on this challenge. Now, you talk a lot about um, solving problems that situate between technological advancement and socially entrenched problems, right? right? So can you tell me about how the ideas have been able to navigate the right. two? Yeah, yeah. I think for, so again, that's my personal mantra mission, right? Really mm. to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs to solve super challenging problems that wouldn't be solved if we didn't exist, yeah. right? And I think, and I, you got it spot on, right? It's really those problems that sit on that crossroads uh, between social, entrenched social issues and uh, tech innovation. And I think the biggest challenge there is twofold. Number one, uh, it lies on the education uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. Because these problems are so challenging, so complicated, usually very complex. And most people don't understand uh, that there needs to be time to educate the market. Yes. Right. So from our perspective, it's again what I mentioned to you about how a lot of social problems today stem from relationships uh, not having a strong foundation in the early dating days. Mm. Many of them don't know. So a lot of couples at the early days just go with the flow and see how it goes. And when, by the time it's uh, they're married and their relationship is going down and stagnating, it's already too late to go back in time. Mm. Right? So I think education is the biggest hurdle or challenge, especially for other uh, companies which also uh, are occupying similar problems like solving uh, the problem of uh, alternative meat or protein. Same thing, education is important because most people don't assume that it's dangerous to eat meat that mm. uh, is, is plant-based, for example, or is, uh, the taste might not be as good, right? So right. education is one. The other thing is, of course, tech innovation takes time to catch up mm. uh, because sometimes you might launch a product or solve a problem that's too early ahead of its time. Mm. Uh, in our case, I think in the long run, what we need to do is to use AI and machine learning to help uh, allow couples to understand their partners better uh, than they would otherwise have understood themselves. So a lot of mm. personality profiling, understanding. For example, my love language is uh, quality time and my partner's love language is gifts. But I don't always remind myself that, hey, I need to get a gift for my partner, right? Mm. But what if there's an app, that, this is our long-term vision, right? An app that would sort of remind you that and sense that, hey, you are in a different geographical location for work and say, uh, prompt you to, hey, don't forget to get a gift on the mm. way back wow. because that's your partner. <laughs> yeah, that's your partner's love language. So like this kind of psychological and uh, AI ML um, features might not, we might not be ready. The world uh, might not be ready for that. And hence, sometimes you might need to wait a little longer for those to catch up. So those are the biggest hurdles to solve these challenging problems in my opinion. Wow. I, I'm really excited about the AI and the profiling. Uh, where are we in, in terms of progress? Right. Will we be expecting that soon? or? Mm. Yeah, so I think for based on our current roadmap, that's in the one to two year pipeline. Mm -hmm. So definitely not anytime so soon because we want to build a strong foundation, uh, a brand foundation, community foundation. And of course, being a startup, resources are not unlimited, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that phase one is really build a strong brand and community. And then phase two would really be to roll out these features because by then we have the, the education piece already figured out. Mm. Mm. Um, let's go back to what you said about resources. Mm -hmm. 
they are limited, right? And I understand you are doing fundraising or you just ended fundraising. Right, instead, right. Yeah. So how does cultivating this brand for your company help, you know, engage your prospect, prospective um, investor? How do you get them to get on board, you know? Right. Yeah, so fundraising is a whole big topic that mm. we could spend all day talking about. Um, but again, we are very thankful we managed to close our pre-seed round. So it's the first round that we've ever closed uh, just one to two months ago. And I think the fundraising game is a very interesting sort of balance between what you have, which is the traction that you, your product is already seeing today, mm -hmm. and along with the product vision of the company five to seven years down the road, mm. right? So uh, you can have all the traction in the world today, but if you cannot present a strong enough vision to convince investors that you're going to be a lot bigger than what you are already mm -hmm. today, uh, most of them wouldn't buy in and invest money in you because they are really betting on your future, mm. right? And then on the other hand, if you have a, the grandest product vision and like the most mind-blowing thing, but yet you have nothing to show mm. uh, to convince them that you get the company to that stage, uh, they also won't be convinced. Mm. So, Fundraising-wise, but it's a very interesting game where I feel fundraising is for every company who's trying to solve very challenging problems. Uh, it's a must-have because mm -hmm. number one, uh, with funds, you can accelerate your company's progress, right? What would it take 20 years? You can actually end up taking seven to 10 years to, to achieve with, with enough capital. But the second thing is also having investors on board unlocks a lot of networks, mm -hmm. uh, which otherwise wouldn't be accessible, uh, especially being a young founder. Uh, but the trick here is to really handpick the right investors. Yeah. And I can say this because not everyone has the uh, ability or benefit of being able to choose investors. Because a lot of them, a lot of inexperienced founders end up uh, uh, being left with investors that they, they, they see a beggars can't be choosers if there's nobody who wants to invest in them. Mm. But I feel that's a very uh, deadly slippery slope yeah. because once you choose the wrong investors and then they'll make you do things that you don't want to do mm. and you're misaligned and then it's too late everything crumbles after that so yeah I think investor relationships uh very crucial if you want to build a very big company but if you want to build uh, again no harm with building a uh, uh, decently uh, sized company not so much fast growing or anything but still profitable mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with that also so but I always advise founders and entrepreneurs to always be very clear where do you want, want the company to head towards. Because if your plan is to build a sustainable, uh, profitable business and not necessarily you want to change the world or change society, then you shouldn't raise money. You should build it slowly and sustainably. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I like that. So since our target audience is people who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs mm. just like you and they're probably NUS listeners, so what were some things uh, that really helped when you were still in NUS? What were some activities that you did that helped Enrich. Yeah, I think for sure NOC, NUS Overseas Colleges, for, for anyone of you who's interested in entrepreneurship or see yourself as a potential founder, you you need to join the program. Mm. Um, on my end, I, I was a bit different because I started entrepreneurship or wanted to be an entrepreneur even before going for the program, right? Uh, and so the, the thing I gained from it is really accelerating my growth as an entrepreneur. But for most people who are still on the fence, not sure yet, I think uh, then it gives you a basic understanding of uh, what it takes to be an entrepreneur uh, in, on a foundational level, which is still very useful to, to help you make the decision whether you want to dive into it or not. So that's one. Um, the good thing about not just NUS, but Singapore in general, mm. there's a lot of funding, uh, uh, even programs out there for entrepreneurs to really accelerate their progress, their growth. Mm. So uh, 
ESG, Enterprise Singapore has a bunch of grants available for entrepreneurs. So I would say Singapore is probably one of the best places to do it. And NUS by far is definitely one of the best universities in the world to, to, to start a company or to go into entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think there's a recent scholarship that uh, NUS provides, which is called Entrepreneurial Scholarship. Scholarships really to groom future entrepreneurs. And then there's NOC as well. Uh, on top of that, um, uh, I recently got a scholarship from NUS IDP. So it's a it's part of the engineering school. It's called Interdisciplinary Design Project or something uh, that covers my uh, salary for next one year. Mm. So there's so much financial um, incentive or benefits for budding entrepreneurs. But I think beyond that as well, the culture that NUS and Singapore is trying to create is one that really benefits entrepreneurs. Like, for example, uh, events like this one, uh, being able to get connected with other founders uh, and or even more experienced ones, I think that's very valuable yeah. opportunities. Right. So you talk a lot about all the resources available, right? Mm-hmm. And also just now you said beggars can be choosers. So how can, if if I were uh, someone who, who wants to, to get funding, what are some like criterion that, you know, that, that I should look at when choosing my funders? Because I also don't want to, you said it was a deadly and slippery slope, right? If you anyhow just take money. Yeah. So what are some things I should be looking at? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you need to understand where you want your business to go to. Assuming you are a founder or entrepreneur, right? Um, you need to know, are you the kind of person that will be happy with just a decent pay, nothing uh, amazing or you don't, you don't want to expand out of Singapore. You just want to stay and stay comfortable yet have a decent uh, salary. Mm. Then I would say don't, don't raise money. Uh, just focus on uh, making sure you, you add value still but your profits are, or revenues are higher than your costs and then you have a business uh, on its own. So that's the first thing. I right? really make a decision. Okay, are you going to be a venture-backed company which is a fast-growing company. The high the risk of failure is higher but yet you you play the game of funding or mm-hmm. you want to build a s- slow slow growth yet sustainable business which can be very profitable as well. Mm. All right, so after you make the decision, let's say you decide to go down a venture back path and you are willing to accept the potential stresses and uh, sort of like challenges that come alongside that, then the next step is okay, choose your funding, right? Uh, do you want to raise money from uh, venture capitalists uh, from the start? But I always advise against that. I think every entrepreneur, especially young ones, should aim for angel investors first because these folks are a lot more uh, nurturing and they mm. are more willing to hear you out and understand your vision for the company. Uh, venture capitalists are more uh, interested in, okay, what's the output? How how can I get my money back? How long will you take? So there might be a case where they force you to sell the company mm. because you're taking too long to return them their money back. Right. Mm. So I think uh, having that clarity on, um, it's always a balance between the money you want to take in, but at the same time, the uh, the stress that you are willing to take up. Right. Um, so, uh, I would say, back to your question, start off knowing why you're doing it in the first place, mm. right? And then, find out what kind of business you want to build. And from there on, what Singapore and NUS provides is there's so a plethora of opportunities. Right. But only when you uh, you understand your, your personal true north, mm. then you can choose the right um, opportunities that best suit your situation. Mm. Right. I like that, you know, being steadfast in your own beliefs is, is something that you really encourage. Mm-hmm. But obviously, realistically, people are going to, you know, have their objections. They're not going to believe in you. You know, they're going to stand in your way, mm-hmm. right? What, what are some advice you would give? Right. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll just share a few anecdotes mm-hmm. of my own personal story. Yes, and I, I believe some of the, the listeners might be able to resonate. So when I came back from uh, NOC, uh, my one year in uh, America, I told myself, okay, I wanted to, I wanted myself to change in a way that 
I, w- I don't want to forget the experience. So when I came back, uh, I realized that the Americans, they, they didn't have, I don't think they were a lot smarter than us Singaporeans. I don't think they were a lot more hardworking than us. But I think what they had a lot of was guts, mm. a lot of courage to throw everything behind to work on an idea that they truly believed. Yeah. And then trust me, a few of their ideas there were so bad and yet they quit their <laughs> job with their family to feed. They just jumped straight in, right? Yeah. yeah. So when I came, I told myself, okay, I want to borrow that courage and guts uh, which I couldn't see in Singapore at all, mm. right? So I, I, of course, mine's not so big as to like quit my job and because I wasn't even working back then but I took a leave of absence from school mm. to work on date ideas full time. So mm. back then it was a lot smaller. We probably had only 1,000 people in our community, very, very small, just a fraction of what it is today. Um, and, and when I wanted to take that leave of absence, my parents were like, no, no, like mm-hmm. don't do it like are you sure you're going to succeed you're probably going to fail oh no yeah so it's that kind of um, questions that were asked at that point in time and even when I told people about it oh I'm going to take a leave of lesson uh, you can always tell they say oh why why do why are you going to work on I don't think date ideas right it should be something else you, you're doing an internship right so it's all those questions that, that uh, people present and say you know right. like assuming that uh, like this project I was working on or this startup I was working on on wouldn't succeed yeah so I think that was uh, uh, of course despite whatever people said I just said I'm going to work on date ideas full time mm. and during that period of time that's where we really grew a lot uh, we grew our community from 1,000 to about 20,000 uh, subscribers we got our first revenues coming in uh, it's very interesting I still remember the, the day where we got a $7,000 check in my mail right and then mm. my parents were like what you're just sitting at home using the computer and you get money paid to you how is that even possible mm. right so I think it's those moments that really uh, convince my parents so mm. it's actions speak louder than words mm. so uh, that's one way to deal with it I think the second thing um, that I feel I personally feel is not everyone is suited to be an entrepreneur not saying that you won't be eventually but it's about timing also so I mm. think I, I'm very blessed to be someone who is very, has very high tolerance against stress mm. uh, so of course, work itself is so stressful when you hear things going around about, hey, like talking bad about that entrepreneur or that company itself, you feel it will really affect you. And if you are not someone who can really allow that to, to, to allow yourself to stay indifferent to all those comments, right? Then I think maybe you're not uh, ready to take the leap yet. Mm. Uh, and yeah, despite that, I think today or wherever, even today, Carousel or any big company is still facing a lot of scrutiny from the press and right. a lot of people uh, talking bad about them as much as they, they have their own fans. So mm. if you are someone who's easily affected by this, then probably it won't go away anytime soon. Yeah, yeah Just something to, <laughs> to note. Yeah. Right. Cool. Um, you mentioned that you did face a lot of backlash, even from your parents and you took a leave of absence. Did you do that alone? Was this a solo endeavor? So where do you find, were there people like friends mm. who are encouraging? How do you select the people you work with? Right. Great question. So uh, I think I can share another story. So for me, uh, I believe in my, so I, I self-learned coding, but I don't think I'm the best coder. Mm. So from very early on, I was looking for a potential CTO or chief technological officer as a co-founder to join me. Mm. So uh, of course, I in the early days, before I went to America and before I took my leave of absence, I worked with a few people, but they weren't really a good fit. Mm. Um, but I mean, just enough to get, get things going. So I, I didn't really see them as a long-term co-founder, but they were willing to do it pro bono for free just to help things, uh, kickstart things. But when I got back from uh, my overseas trips and wanted to take it seriously, so I tried working with a few potential co-founders, uh, tech co-founders. Uh, in, in total, I actually reached out to over 300 people on LinkedIn. I met up with over 50 of them, either in person or over Zoom. And even like tried two other co-founders before I chanced upon my current co-founder mm. uh, and tried them for probation periods. But none of them really fit the bill. Uh, so I always question, is it because I was too 
demanding in the sort of caliber that I was looking for? Mm. Uh, or, or was it because it's impossible to find someone uh, at that level uh, given my my background, right? So but I was very thankful because I chanced upon my current co-founder, Arvin, uh, and he's an engineer who worked in Bloomberg at Grab. And then he recently uh, submitted his resignation letter to join me full-time. Wow. Yeah, and, and I think that's what uh, and after I started working with him, it was a perfect fit. Like there were a lot of things we aligned very quickly. Mm. It felt nothing like the previous people that I used to work with before, because there was a lot of back and forth. And sometimes I would wait for them for meetings. But Arvin understood like how serious this is for mm. both of us. Right. So my biggest recommendation is um, to any budding entrepreneur, maybe in a, in a short run, just to get things going, you might find someone uh, to to just uh, be in the placeholder position, um, but don't settle for someone who's not a perfect fit. Right. So from now on, thanks to the experience, uh, any early founding member that I, I want to bring to the company also, I must make sure it's a perfect fit where we align very fast, not so much discussions, not so much cultural misfits. Because uh, mm. in the short run, you might sort of compromise, but in the long run, it's just going to kill the company if that, if that sort of misfit uh, continues to happen. Mm. Right. I, I like that you, you say, pick someone with the same beliefs, the same values. But I think it's also important to have someone who constantly challenges you and brings a different point of view to the table, to the discussion, right? And you think that your current co-founder um, gives you that as well, yeah. right? So it, there seems to be some sort of tension, someone that agrees with you, but on the other hand also disagrees with you. How, how do you manage that? Right. You know, and also your other stakeholders who have all these different agendas, like all these con conflicts. How do you manage all of that? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question, right? And I think that is a huge part of the CEO's job, my job, right? Mm. Uh, managing stakeholders, uh, like even the relationship within the team, within co-founders, that's like the, the the most intimate relationship. And then there's this relationship with uh, the business partners, right? Our merchants, our interns and stuff like that. And then that's like the next. And then the last layer is, of course, our relationship with the investors, right. people who have a vested interest in the, in the company and putting money to support you. So I would say as the CEO, and I believe anyone else who, who really wants to be a CEO, you need to master this very early on mm. to understand each stakeholder's innate desires, right? Mm. What do they really want to get out of it? And then continue to assure them that that's being fulfilled, right? right? And if it's a desire that you can never fulfill, uh, for example, if someone's just there to have fun, not to build a business and they just want to learn as much as possible mm. and you know that you can't fulfill that because you're serious about building a, a big company, a fast-growing unicorn one day, mm. then don't bring that person into the team at all, right? Um, so I think uh, having setting the expectations uh, right or uh, upfront early on and also making sure that that's very clear, clearly and transparently uh, put out, right? And if at any point in time when that expectation changes in any way, uh, you need to have a, the tough conversation. I think that's crucial mm. because too many founders I know uh, at the start, okay, they just bring in this investor who, who they need the money, right? So they bring in a specific investor or even a co-founder promising something that they might not be able to deliver. Right. Just trying to... Uh, sort of like push the problem for another day. I think that's a very bad move because it's firstly, it's uh, habitual that you keep doing that and mm. you cause more and more um, sort of disagreements or misalignments in the company. But secondly, also, it just like all of this will bottle up and one day when you have to deal with it, it's too big of a snowball for you to overcome. Yeah, so yeah, I would say, that, I mean, I would say it's, this is very intangible, right? It's a relationship game. Uh, yeah. And if you are someone who is unable to manage all these relationships, how big or small then, uh, it's hard to really succeed here. Mm. Mm. 
So we've been talking a lot about your role as a CEO. So how has being an entrepreneur impacted you personally as an individual? Right. I think, firstly, there's no other thing I'd rather be yeah. after going through. I mean, again, I, I, people ask, okay, how's it like uh, life as an entrepreneur? Mm. So I say it's the most ironic career ever, right? Uh, you, are, it's the, you, you feel the most stressed, but yet you feel the most liberated. Yeah. <laughs> you feel, yeah. you feel uh, super shitty sometimes or mm. super down and at times you feel like over the moon. Mm. Right? So it's the most oxymoronic uh, career ever. And I would say for me... Uh, my priorities in life, where I am today, is really, of course, two things, right? Um, build, become successful and hopefully wealthy one day. And of course, that's like the exit one day. Um, that's one. But the second thing I think which is more important than that even is changing the world or adding value to society in a way that nobody else can. Mm. And there's no other sort of career path that allows you to be so direct in achieving that uh, compared to entrepreneurship. So at the end of the day, that this sort of goal of uh, changing the world in, uh, even if it's just one small part of society uh, I think that's something that I'm very proud of doing every day and I think that's mm. what's shaping me as an individual also because through all the ups and downs of this choice of this uh, entrepreneurship path uh, I'm learning so much about myself um, at the beginning it was probably okay can I really achieve growth or can I grow a community well mm. right? and then that, was, that seemed like the hardest challenge back then but once you overcome it and thought, hey, that wasn't that hard anymore. <laughs> but then, soon enough, you turn around and you see, oh shit, there's an even bigger mountain to climb. Mm. Right? And then, uh, for example, that be that might be finding a CTO. Mm. Okay, I had to go through all these challenges and finally I cleared that mountain and I was like, oh, phew, that wasn't that difficult after all. And, and then the next challenge would be, oh, raising money. Mm. So I think where we are at now is, of course, expanding, uh, expanding out of Singapore, right? And that's a whole new challenge altogether. How mm. can we go to Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, right? And uh, that's something I, I don't know the answer to yet. Yeah. Uh, but after that, uh, after I crossed that hurdle, it didn't seem that hard anymore. And then a new challenge arises. Mm. So yeah, I love the growth opportunities that come along with it in order to add value to society. Yeah, it sounds like throughout, you've just been learning and growing and developing yourself. I mean, you, you reached out to 300 people on LinkedIn yeah. to be your CTO. Yeah. You're kind of desperate, but in a good way. Right. And I like that you didn't settle for just anyone. Okay, right. and you you really, you were patient with the process, right? right? Patient with yourself. And yes, you were stressed out, but you pressed on. And I think I think for every entrepreneur, every aspiring entrepreneur, there will come a lot of struggles and you will feel defeated at times. But please, please, if you really believe in something, please just go for it, okay? And just find like-minded people, you know, as Raimi has suggested. Now, I, w I just want to wish you all the best. You, you're adventuring globally, is yeah. it? Yeah, you have all this cultural mismatch that you have to settle, all these hurdles you have to cross. But I believe that you know, you can get there because you've already come this far and I don't see why not. You can get there. And so I, I believe in you, obviously. Thanks, and you. that's why you're here on my show because, right. <laughs> you know, I don't just waste time with any Tom, Dick, or Harry. But okay. Right. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have anything you want to say to uh, your listeners or your fans who might be listening? You want to tell mm. them anything? Right. I think just one final word of advice. I would say understand the why behind you. It doesn't even have to be entrepreneurship related, right? Mm. If you're doing uh, something, whether it's freelance work or your own career path, understand the why and make sure you're convinced and don't lie to yourself uh, that like, uh, don't lie to yourself that that's where you are because of other transactional goals, but rather understand the real reason why you're there. Right. And with that clarity, uh, that clarity is very powerful in mm. the long run. Mm. 
Yeah, thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom and your time. He came down just for me. I'm so I'm so happy. Um, yeah, so to all the listeners, if you really want to support Remy and you're not in his Telegram channel yet, I cannot believe that you're not. But if you're not, you join their Telegram channel at Date Ideas. That is D-A-T-E-I-D-E-A-S. Or you can download their app on both the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Is that right, Remy? Yeah. Okay, perfect. great. And if you want to follow Remy on his socials, that will be at... Fatty Remy oh, uh, on interesting. Instagram. <laughs> uh, there's another story behind it, but let's not get into let's that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure our listeners have been very enriched. So I just want to wish you all the best. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much, Nazarene. Yeah. Really enjoyed this session. Yes, thank you so much. 